Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I am your co-host, Brandon. I'm your other co-host, Ian. And I'm your host, Justin. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. And we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you to your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. Nope. Definitely not, no. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything is made up and your roles don't matter. That's right, like a paladin without an oath. Ha ha, Everyone knows, each episode, we go out of our way to do something special for our listeners. It's a special we do every day. Yeah, it's it's like that sale that's at the store. That's a sale, but it's just always going on. They just put out a sign to make you go and buy it. It's one of those things. Ever watch? You don't mess with Zohan? No. Yeah, I did a long time ago. Yeah, they have that store that's called Going Out of Business, so they keep getting business. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, each episode, we like to draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they'll win the five-star rated adventure Banquet of the Dam compliments of Goblin Stone. This drawing is from our subscriber list. You can head on over to CritAcademy.com and join our subscriber list at no cost. I don't spam your emails. I don't. I don't no, do anything. Like that. We really, just... literally nothing. It, it's mostly for you to contact and tell us how much you love us. Yes, hey. and if you're on that list, that's that's where the names come from. That's where we pick the names out of. Hey. So if you want free shit. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to be published. Be sure to head on over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, critacademy.com. What? No, no, we're better than that. Now, our winner for this week, I'm sure he's going to be happy that he's won. He's going to be very... <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, you see that? Because he's going to be very happy. You think he's going to be happy? I think he's going to be happy. Okay, the winner this week is Nick is Happy. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside <laughs> you got to take a stand you <laughs> It's so weird hearing you coming out of only one ear. Yeah. Congratulations, Nick is happy. Are you sure it's not Nikki's happy? <laughs> oh, could be. I guess I don't really Nikki, know. Nikki Shappy. <laughs> Will you check that end of that seat? Now we get to play our first segment, In the Realm. And I think this week, Justin's going to go first. What's going on in your left, buddy? I get to go first? I'm so excited. I, I just can't hide it. <laughs> I think I know, and I know, well, I think I like it. Um, Yeah, so what's going on in my realm? So, some very big surprise, Ian ran a D&D session for uh, myself and another friend yesterday, and it was pretty awesome, because he threw my own cobalt slingers at me. I wish I was, I wish I was there for that. No, yeah, I had he, to work. He, yeah, he, he slung those things right into the game, and I didn't even notice. <laughs> gotcha, bitch! <laughs> I think what caught my surprise, though, was actually the uh, cobalt chieftain. Yeah, that guy was pretty cool. Was that just the chief? Uh, the was that my chieftain or was that the other? That I wasn't just, mine. That I just was, added pluses to a couple. Okay, yeah, it was uh, really <laughs> nice. Yeah, he came at me with dual scimitars, which was weird. Scimitars, which was weird. You didn't suspect that one, did you? Yeah, no, I didn't. Especially for a cobalt trying to carry those big giant things dual wielding. But it was great though because I got to uh, choke a bitch. Um, <laughs> basically, he charged at me, so I grappled him by the foot and I dragged his ass out of the room. 
and then elbowed, did the people's elbow and elbow dropped right <laughs> to the ground. And so now I've got him prone. I'm on top of him with my big barbarian. Of all the things I could do, I could stab him. I can uh, hit him with an axe. I can punch him. What do I do? I grab my sling and I choke him. <laughs> Poor, die, bitch, die! <laughs> poor Ian had to look up the rules for suffocation, even though it's not even not even feasible in combat to not do. Really. Not even close. But it was so much fun as far as role plays. Like, yeah, I got a sling. Why do you have a sling? Why not? <laughs> Makes grappling better. So that was I was super excited to see my monsters show up against me. So it was fun. They were just in there, my own business. Well, they stripped my operation. Yeah, yeah, we were inside the tavern, <laughs> and then the freaking floor just caved in. And there's kobolds climbing up. They run out. They jump out. They rob the place. And then they go back into the tunnel. Because they're taking mine just underneath the tunnel. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was really cool. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was really awesome. It made me think of Ringo. That's annoying the hell out of me. <laughs> the names. Um, so, yeah. It was really cool and really fun. And so I want to thank you, Ian, for running that. You're welcome. So, Brandon, uh, what's going on in your realm? Oh, uh. Drawing. Yeah, you drew us a cobalt slinger. Yeah, I drew you a cobalt slinger. I plan on drawing the rest of them, too, at some point. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Take a lot of work, though. Uh, That, still working out. All that stuff. Can I just say how awesome your shirt is? For those of you who can't see, he's got a Batman and Robin shirt, but it's Sonic as Batman and Tails as Robin, and it's awesome. Yeah, you can go to Turtle T. That's where I get them. They have Mm. a bunch of really cool shirts. Oh, uh, so Ian is leaning back, suggesting that I need to uh, <laughs> compliment him on his shirt, except I have no idea what it is. It's Reaper from Overwatch. Yeah, see, I don't know that. I don't watch Overwatch. I don't play Overwatch. Whatever. Yeah. Well, you just lost five more cool points. Yeah, there. we both know I never had any to begin with, that's so a, I'm like that's in the a negative. Sexy-ass shirt, though. It is cool. It I, looks I got cool. a team wipe with him once. I was so happy. You wiped a team? Is that like when I wipe the kids when I'm in the bathroom? No, it's a six-on-six player game. It's when you kill all the other players on the team in one hit. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty baller. They probably shouldn't stand so close together. So, very cool. What's your favorite dessert? Pie, pie, pie. (laughs) So, yeah, very cool. But, uh, I can't think of anything else immediately off the top of my head. Uh, Ian. I went to Gen Con, had some good times. Yeah, I see the big giant Starfinder book you came back with. That looks pretty awesome. They what actually all? ran out other stock and went out in line with it. Uh, what day? Thursday, the first day. That's terrible. And poor business planning. Actually, in their defense, they j- did run projections because they've been to Gen Con in previous years. Mm-hmm. And they actually brought more books than what, than what their projections had. Wow. And they brought everything from their warehouse, and they still sold all of them before the first day even ended. Wow, that sucks. In the defense, though, they that was also the same week that they actually released the books in stores, though. So. Yeah, so they could go out and get it at another store if they really wanted to. Yeah. It's not the same, though. No. Nothing like paying over uh, overpriced stuff when you're at Gen Con. Of course. <laughs> Just like, yeah, your book's the same as mine. Well, mine comes from Gen Con. Is it the same? Yes, but it comes from Gen Con. <laughs> they took it from the warehouse to Gen Con, charged me more, and that is where I picked it up. <laughs> And I also played through a few RPG sessions. I definitely played through some finding of uh, Zombicide Black Plague when I was there. But one of the uh, RPGs I played in, Mesa Masterminds, they did a mm-hmm. JSA versus Defenders event. Oh, that's cool. And they split up between, I want to say, four tables. And players could have been teleporting between each one because dimensional scrap. But I was playing Hawkeye. and I was... Who plays Hawkeye when you can be any other superhero? You might as well just play D and D and be a ranger. To be, to be fair, I picked tier two, and there was five tiers. Okay, what does that mean? 
Well, the way they organized that means the game Hawkeye was, actually has a chance. Well, the way the Orange game was, it was just one through five, uh-huh. five being the highest. But they give it like a point pool between each team. Okay. That's why I picked two. Okay. So why is going to play higher point characters? But anyway, during the three and three matches, one player who's playing Black Canary basically did her Canary cry at me. And I just paused, looked at him, and went, "Yeah, he's a little no effect about Hawkeye that they actually took into to account on his character sheet. He's deaf." <laughs> Hawkeye's deaf. Yeah. Yeah. How do you not know that? Because he's not deaf in the movies. It's because he can read lips. But he's still not deaf in the movies. Nope. Either, either way, in Hawkeye is deaf. Is. In the comics, he's deaf. So I mean, that's being, awesome. Interesting cries result. It's like I can't hear you. Actually, there there is a meme about that where he's talking to Deadpool. And he's he's saying, so what's the story with that? And instead of talking, he signs to him and says, it's a long story. He says, oh, okay, I get it. He does sign language, and he pulls his mask up so he can see his mouth. Oh, that is cool. Deadpool has a heart. <laughs> Occasionally. But the big thing I want to mention, though, was when I was at Gen Con on the show floor for about an hour or so, what that workshop, the guys that do... They do props for a lot of movies and special effects, mm-hmm. including Lord of the Rings. This okay. is part of their biggest profile movie. They're actually releasing their own tabletop game called Big, Big Killer Robots. Big Killer oh, Robots. Big, oh, yeah, Big Killer Robots, JKR. Yeah, I played it when I was at Gen Con last year, and it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It is one of my far... BKR. Bar, bar none, one of my favorite robot board games. And I, and I pre-ordered it when I was there. Did you? Yeah. It wasn't available as a pre-order when I was there last year. That was last year. Yeah, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, I've been following it closely because I love uh, JKR. And they're JKR? You mean BKR? Well, when I was there, it was Giant Killer Robots. Right, G. So I said. You said J. Yeah, GKR. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. And I, when I was there, they were talking about having like, uh, like uh, augmented reality option and stuff too, which I thought was cool. I don't know if that's still a thing. I didn't see what I was there. But you don't. I don't think you're gonna need that. But no, they had the Kickstart. Heck no, you don't need that because those robots are very well sculpted. They're huge, and then you got some little ones too, but they look awesome. Um, I, t- I actually still have pictures of my wallpaper at work uh, of the, the the giant one that they had. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you had a good time at Gen Con then. Yes, I had a good time at Gen Con. That is in the realm. <laughs> That's in the realm. Yes. <laughs> and hey, do you guys like to read? I love to read. I love to read. I hate reading, but I'm pretty sure other people like to read. I bet I'd be smarter if I read more. I should go to audibletrial.com forward slash Crit Academy so I can get a free book and a 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles you can choose from for all your mobile devices. You can also go to uh, CritAcademy.com, and there's a link right on our uh, page that'll send you right there as well. Um, it's a good way to support us. You can get a free book, um, and once you, even if you cancel your subscription, you own that book. That is your book, so you don't have to uh, worry about finishing it before the 30 days which is really cool and we told you kickbacks when somebody clicks that link too so yeah uh i like yes. this next segment because uh i saw this question yesterday and i had it on my head the whole time because there's only one real answer for it moving on will be our next segment let's talk about blank you know where... luke actually asked me it blank did you forget to fill it in I'm like, no, Luke, that's the name of the segment. It's where we take a question from you guys. We do our best to answer it. And today's question comes and our from our best a is pretty good. <laughs> today's question comes from a Facebook user, Carlos Uribe. Uribe. <laughs> How does the items and the component pouch work? Does the wizard have to buy them, or is it filled automatically by resting? I still cannot understand how that works. You buy them. Technically, you don't have to. Only the ones that have a cost. I believe you don't have to... 
buy them technically as long as you use a magical focus or something. Yeah, so... And that only applies to stuff, though, that costs below one gold, I believe, which is most of it. No, in 5th edition, my understanding is that there is literally no difference between a component pouch and an arcane focus other than flavor. Yeah. The difference being that an arcane focus, say I want my a jewel around my neck to be an arcane focus. When I'm describing my spells, I can describe it where my this energy is channeled through this crystal or whatever it is before my spell takes effects. With a component pouch, it's I reach into my pouch and I pull out some elderberry juice or something <laughs> and I twinkle it and sprinkle it and shit blows up. The way, I, way I'm uh, reading it but, is... Well, hang on. But if there is a cost in the book under the component or when in the spell and it has a component list, if there's a cost associated to that that um, item... Like a 1,000 gold piece gem? Yes. You have to have that gem. It is not included in the pouch. Those do need to be purchases. But for the purposes of the game, the component pouch doesn't need... You don't need to track anything and either with an arcane focus. So in other words, you'll have to carry on like I found a bat going on with you that has fireball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of those items do need to be... Um, are consumed in the casting of the spell. Yep. Others are not. It's very important, like Chromatic Orb. For a long time, I kept making my players purchase the or, the, the 50, 50 gold gem for that. But it actually, they only needed to purchase it once because once you, it doesn't it isn't consumed in the spell. So that's important to know. Uh, Revivify actually has a consume, consumed one, I think. Let's see, there's Animate Dead, a drop of blood, consumed. a piece of flesh, yes. and a pinch of bone dust. It doesn't say consume, but you know that... No, but the one he just read does. So, for example, the pinch of bone dust. So, if you have the uh, component pouch, you would say, I sprinkle a pinch of bone dust. And you can include that in the flavor of the spell. But it, your component pouch, you're under the assumption that you always replenish those and you always got them and there's no cost to it. Unless the, the item, the spell component, strictly says it has a spell component cost. If it has a component cost, then you either consume that component component in the casting of the spell, or it is stored and you can use the same one repeatedly for the same spell. In the case with the chromatic orb, you can use the, what was it, a diamond? Yeah. You can use the diamond over and over so you don't have to keep buying them. Like a gem. And if you really want to be a dick, you can say, oh, your player rolls a one on a attack roll. Uh -huh. Oh, your gem just cracked. You can't use it anymore. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> if you do the fumble charts. Which I think we should have an episode on because there's some really fun ones out there. But as far as I, there was something you were gonna say, and I cut you off, and I'm so sorry. I remember. I think it was about the animate dead too, because it doesn't say they're consumed, and obviously because if you're animating dead, you're you probably got a corpse in front of you. Yes. And all the components you need are right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, and, and I think that's different from older versions. Cause I think in older versions you needed to resupply those and everything, but in the newer version, that's not the case. As far as my understanding, and I've never used it that way. For me, the component pouch and the, the arcane focus are purely flavor. And as far as I know it, I'm one of the few players who actually includes that as part of the flavor of their spell. But I think it would be awesome if Brandon was going to resurrect a zombie and he says, I reach into my component pouch and I start sprinkling some freaking bone dust over the corpse. You know, that little bit of detail really can enhance your game, right? Um, and it doesn't take so much. That's really up to the player, I think. But for the most part, though, most people just assume your crap is in your pouch. Yes. For the most that, part. I mean, yeah. when was the last time someone actually kept track of how many arrows you have? 
Some people do. I used to for a while. I don't anymore. Yeah. I try to, but I've actually got to the point where I just bought so many arrows I just don't carry anymore. Well, what I kept finding is that they're like, well, I'm just going to carry three quivers. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I just like, yeah, what's the point? Um, uh, so, you know, it's up to you how strict you want to, where do you want the focus of your so game to be, you're like playing a, a real hardcore campaign where you're making sure everyone's keeping track of everything. Yeah, and some people do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. no. But, but do keep in mind, though, for casual players, though, there does come to a point where if you it's do boring. too much bookkeeping, it just does not become funny. Right, which is actually why I like 5th edition, because there's so much less bookkeeping than there is in other editions, specifically 3.5 and Pathfinder. But anyways, um, thank you, Carlos, Yurabi, Yuriba, Yuraba. We apologize for that. We... I don't, I don't <laughs> care. Send it with phonetics next time. Phonetics. <laughs> um, all right, so that is our let's talk about blank segment. Now we get to move on to our main topic. Our main topic is the Paladin Oath of the Crown from the Sword Coast Adventure Guide. We are gonna do a class analysis and kind of give you our give you our thoughts and our feelings on the different features of it, and hopefully give you some new ideas going forward. Quick question: You guys do still have your spell books open, right? The oath of the crown is sworn to the ideals of civilization, be it the spirit of a nation, fealty to a sovereign, or service to a deity of law and rulership. The paladins who swear this oath dedicate themselves to serving society, in particular, the just laws that hold society together. <laughs> 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 I, I was trying to hold it. I at least made it to the end of that that sentence. These paladins are <laughs> these paladins are the watchful guardians on the walls, standing against the chaotic tides of barbarism that threaten to tear down all that civilization has built. They are commonly known as guardians, exemplars, or sentinels. That was awesome. I love Jackard Kane. <laughs> And alongside all this, you have the tenets of the crown. The law is paramount. It is the mola that holds the stones of civilization together, and it must be respected. Loyalty. Without loyalty, oaths and laws are meaningless. Courage. You must be willing to do what needs to be done for the sake of order, even in the face of overwhelming odds. If you do not act, then who will? Last, but most certainly not least, responsibility. You must deal with the consequences of your actions, and you are responsible for fulfilling your duties and obligations, even at the cost of one's own life. Very cool. Um, so yeah, just like uh, other paladins, you've got these oaths that um, really are what they're kind of bound to, and the, kind of represents the way they're supposed to live. You know, live their live their life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and these are pretty cool. I like the I like the idea that you know they're they're focused on overall civilization making sure that it continues to progress i am the law <laughs> i can see the judge dread you think it's like that i was i envision more like a vengeance paladin would be a judge dread right <laughs> i'm the judge during executioner i'm above the law <laughs> so yeah these uh these tenants really encompass them and it really you know they hold true to people are responsible for their own actions and that um progression of our civilization is crucial and critical to to everyone. What do you guys think about that? Well, that definitely seems to be your archetypal paladin from the eclectic D&D, which is perfectly okay. Right, right. So, I am the champion of justice. I uphold the law. I shall defend the realm from all that besieges it. <laughs> I say, whenever I think of paladin, I think 
this. These. Yes, yeah. this is this is definitely um, closer to uh, the more traditional, I think, uh, Paladin than some of the other uh, some of the other uh, what the hell are these oaths compared to some of the other oaths. <laughs> So obviously, once you've have your tenants, uh, which is kind of part of your character, um, you move on to level three, and you know at, this is where you start to really see your, this is where your paladin really starts to come into their own compared to the other uh, archetypes. It starts by getting your new channel divinity, your champion challenge. You issue a challenge that compels other creatures to battle you. Each creature, uh, each creature that you choose that you can see within thirty feet of you must make a wisdom saving throw. On a fail, the creature can't move more than 30 feet away from you. The effect ends uh, on a creature if you're incapacitated or die or the creature moves out of range. That, to me, is pretty cool. Lock them down. Yeah, you're basically locking them into a 30-foot radius of you. And they can't run, they can't escape, they can't... Oh, shit, I can't get out of here! Yeah, they can't can't call for help. I would would imagine this being, oh, shit, there's a guy running away. Boom, I'm going to use my channel divinity and keep him from going to get reinforcements. Yeah, that's a great way to stop someone. Yeah, I think that is awesome. Um, And then you have... uh... (laughs) He's running. No, he's not. (laughs) He just kind of hits like an invisible wall, like, shit! (laughs) Um, So, Turn the Tide, uh, which is also part of your channel divinity, is... Another option, option we have here is turn the tide. You can use a bonus action to bolster injured creatures. Each creature of your choice that you can hear within 30 feet regains HP equals to 1d6 of your charisma mod. If it has no one to have HP. So those mags can rub some dirt in it and keep fighting. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So that's really cool. That's a, like a, an AoE heal. <laughs> um pretty that's pretty cool i really like that um this is very uh we kind of talked about the warlord uh for the uh the fighter yeah the, the fighter the purple dragon there. yeah this is a very similar kind of support ability so that's really cool so at um third level you also get access to your first oath spells and those two spells uh the first one is command Short version within range, you speak a one-word command to a creature that you see within, within range, and, they, and those poor stats gotta make a wisdom saving throw. And if they fail, you basically issue them a one-word command on their turn. It can be something like, command, drop, grovel, halt. And come on, you gotta like the go classic, kneel before Zod! <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely sure that's more than one word, but I love the kneel. If the kneel is your word and you just finish the rest of it, that's awesome. Um, yeah, this this is another this is a very control ability. It kind of uh, goes back to that champion's challenge, which is a control ability too, right? So right now, the, this is kind of developing to a very surprisingly a controller, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm. I mean, that's it's a controller class or archetype. So the fact that you can force them to do with a single word is pretty cool. What about compelled duel compelled being the other one? Duel. That this one's actually pretty nice. I like this one. Uh, the casting time is actually a bonus action, and its range is 30 feet. Concentration up to one minute. The target must make a wisdom saving throw or be drawn into a duel with you. On a failed save, the target has disadvantage on attack rolls against anyone but you, and must make a wisdom save if it attempts to move farther than 30 feet away from you. This effect ends if you attack or cast a spell on a creature other than the target. If an ally damages the target... Or if you end your turn more than 30 feet away from the target. Um. So, yeah. So, that's pretty cool. Once again, another control ability, right? You can say, me and you, one-on-one, buddy. And that basically can help protect the rest of your team. 
Now, it doesn't stop them from attacking other people, right? Yeah, it just gives them disadvantage, though. Which is a huge <laughs> disadvantage, right? Because that, that I mean, for every one action he takes, if he has a chance to increase chance to miss, that's awesome. So to me, that's another powerful control ability. Because if you can hit the big bad with that and run and hide, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. what it is. Does that have a range on it? Like a, it was uh, 30 feet. Uh, if you move out of it, it didn't say anything about moving out of that range, though, right? Well, I don't believe it does. Yeah. Yeah, so compel him to duel, and I would run away. <laughs> run in circles and kite the big bad. So Robin ran away. <laughs> brave, brave. brave. Ran away, away. Brave, brave, Sir Robin. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. When danger reeled its ugly head, he bravely turned his tail and fled. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why he's still alive. Um, Very cool. So... Uh, following that, um, at fifth level, you also get access to new to new uh, spells. Dang right, you do. You get warding bond. And warding bond lasts around an hour. You just touch a willing creature. <laughs> I'm gonna touch you. You got yourself a pretty mouth. I'm not willing. Bad <laughs> <laughs> touch. Bad touch. That's funny. <laughs> but anyway, as long as that creature stays within 60 feet of you, they get a, a plus one bonus to AC and saving throws, and they also resist all damage. That's awesome. In less than an hour. Now, there's a downside. Every time they take damage, you also take the damage. Is it split, or is it half and half? Nope, it's equal. Well, that sucks. But that's really good if somebody's getting it. So, this is a really good example of something that I would probably use more if we were losing. Like, if we're struggling and the healer is... We, we, if we've got a healer, right. um, and he's really can't afford to focus on himself, this might be a good way to allow him to focus healing on one person, such as yourself, maybe compelling the duel to attack you. And do keep in mind, though, that they do gain resistance damage, so yeah, you suck at two, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, that, that that's, a real, once again, another nice control ability that really allows you to protect somebody weaker. I think in... Uh, I think at one point WoW had ability similar to that where uh, it transferred damage from uh, someone else to you. Yeah, to you, which is really important if you don't want that person to die. In this case, like a healer or something or a very squishy wizard. If you've got a glass cannon with you, maybe you want to use this ability to give that that glass some... uh, some uh reinforcement yeah no what do you, what do you some pain. bubble wrap <laughs> bubble wrap you want to <laughs> give this some uh some magical bubble wrap to protect okay because <laughs> you don't want your glass cannon to break so that's definitely really cool and of course at level five you also get access to zone of truth now if anybody has seen the new wonder woman movie you can see how powerful forcing somebody to tell you the truth is Actually, <laughs> or how the, embarrassing uh, it could be i actually think the animated movie did it way better <laughs> Uh, you just mentioned the animated one. Yeah. I actually watched the uh, the the Flashpoint uh, <laughs> animated movie, and in that she's fighting uh, Shazam, and she can't beat him. She wraps the lasso of truth around him and at- forces him to tell her how to break the enchantment. <laughs> and then he she forces him to I think utter the enchantment, and it breaks it. And Shazam is like like five kids in this version, yeah. Yeah, in this version, and then she just goes and all of them. But forcing somebody yeah. to tell the truth gives you a lot of power over them. Mm-hmm. What not just interrogation purposes, right? Which is what you would normally do it. But let's say you're you're in a a room doing like a, a one of those military uh, plans. You want to make sure everyone that comes in is honest. But there's a problem with that with the spell, though. 
How so? Is that the duration lasts 10 minutes and it's up to 60 feet. And you can create a 15 foot radius and anyone who's in there is compelled to tell the truth. They right. have to make a wisdom saving throw. Or was it charisma? A charisma saving throw. Right. And on a failure, they cannot willingly, willingly tell a lie. Right. And you as the player know if they fail or... Do you? Yes. Yeah, Why would it, you know? It says that. <laughs> oh, you know, you, you are you, aware of You know whether each resisted. creature in the area succeeds or fails, it's safe. But the creatures in the bubble are also aware of it, and they can just be quiet if they want to. They don't have well, to say Well, yeah, anything. but I think that would bring suspicion on, wouldn't it? It could. And there is uh, some archaic, uh, if you will, interrogation techniques. <laughs> <laughs> if necessary, right? No, I definitely think that this is really good for those um, those diplomatic type missions where or an, inter- an interrogation. I think there could be a lot of fun with this. Can you guys think of anything outside of that? Where could you imagine using a zone of truth? Okay. Who took the cookies from the fridge last night? <laughs> <laughs> Who ate my last chicken leg? How about the time uh, Rogue stole my potions out of my bag? That'd been a good time. That would have been a great time. <laughs> yeah, he was going down the dark stairs, can't see, trips, and his belt gets lighter because the Rogue, as he takes opportunity as he's tripping to swipe a potion. <laughs> he's like, woo, my belt felt lighter. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Now at level, or at the seventh level, at seventh level, you get Divine Allegiance. When a creature takes damage five feet from you, you can use your reaction to magically substitute your own health for that of the cre- of the target creature, causing that creature not to take the damage. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Oh, it can't be. Pre- uh, it also cannot be prevented or reduced. Yep. Yeah, and instead you take the damage. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty cool. Once again, that's uh. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna sacrifice myself to protect you. Type of abilities, mm-hmm. where you're 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 really. How do you imagine this working? Like from a magical standpoint, like a barrier. Let's say somebody hits your friendly neighborhood mage with a battle axe, and they of course leave a pretty huge gas, which then suddenly turns to mist as the <laughs> wound closes and flows to you. Oh, that's really cool. I could see this. Yeah, oh, God. Uh, I can see this. I actually played uh, Terra for a while, and the 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 I played the the dual wielding tank, and it had this ability to create like a shadow replica. I can see myself like flavoring this, so like I create like a shadow version of myself in front of the person as they take the blow, and the damage appearing across my chest, distance away. <sighs> or it could be like those twins from GI Joe where you punch one, the other feels the, the pain. other feels the pain. Oh, that's really cool too. <laughs> but yeah, that I think that could be fun. That would be really cool. Oh man, you could you could use that to every every game has that player who just often kills the last one alive. Zero. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Where like <laughs> you're like, like we gotta we gotta leave one alive mm-hmm. and they don't and they just they slit its throat or something. I can see me using this to ensure that the person I want to keep alive is alive, even from an ally. Right. That would be weird. You just use your power to help an enemy. Okay. <laughs> But uh, so that's pretty cool. Or you can be a little more simple and you're just like magically teleported right in front for an instant or something like that. At level nine, you get some more O spells kicking in, and one of them is the Aura of Vitality, and it lasts for about a minute. And there's a 30 foot radius center on you that, that moves with you. And until it ends, you, as a bonus action, can cause one creature in the aura, including yourself, to regain 2d6 hit points. That's awesome. It's not temporary, it's just you gain it. It's hit points, yeah. Ooh. No, the catch rate too, that was concentration. 
Yeah, which is hard when you're more of a if you're a melee melee class, right? Right. If you're a work, but that's where the uh, warcaster feat might kick in. Oh yeah, warcaster is really cool. If you don't know what that is, it gives you uh, advantage on concentration checks as well as lets you cast spells without uh, having both hands free, right? You can wield like a weapon and a, a shield and still cast spells with the 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 war warcaster feat as well as you can use your it your cool things, yeah. yeah you can also use your op attack uh, with the spells. Which isn't something you can normally do, which is pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. So basically, you're radiating awesome. Is what I'm what I'm hearing, <laughs> right? Yep. Is this how you guys feel when you're around me? Do you, do you uh, guys gain HP every day just being in my vicinity? We gain something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So you radiate something. Yeah. This reminds What's me that of. Smell? Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's the smell of awesome, my friend. Um, so did you guys you guys played the first uh, fable, right? No. Yes. Uh, when you become really good, you walk and like flowers bloom underneath you. I envision something like that. If oh, I had yeah, this great. ability, I'd walk and flowers would just be blooming and healing everybody around me. <laughs> I'd flavor it that way probably. Uh, or you could just give off like when uh, just a maybe a, a heart beating light or something maybe something like that. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. You have nothing to add to that? All right, we'll move on to Spirit Guardians. <laughs> Robbing. So the other uh, the other old spell you get will be Spirit Guardians. <laughs> Spirit Guardians, which is a level 3 cleric spell, and you do need a holy symbol to use it. It's got a range, which is a 15-foot radius. Don't move away from the phone. It's got a range, which is a 15-foot radius, and a concentration of up to 10 minutes. Now, you form a 15-foot radius of ring of protection around you and creatures entering or starting there turn in the area take 3d8 radiant which is good or necrotic evil damage i think you can choose between the two and it's a wisdom save for half damage and half of their movement speed is also also taken away another thing too is that uh you can add 1d8 of damage for every spell slot that you put above the third so Anybody have anything else to add to how that? How would you flavor that? What do you how you how do you envision that working? I was doing something else, so I actually didn't hear it or anything that you said. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't answer it. I was looking at my next spell. Yeah, that, so I, uh, I imagine that uh like you place your hands together or you uh, bang them together and then you get this Like Wonder old, Twins power you, activate? Yeah, and then you get this big old ring around you and like a zombie or an undead or something walks into it and just <laughs> I mean, yeah. just see like a astral being. That's what it is. Spirit, spirits form a fifteen foot radius ring. So, th- would those spirits like be people you know? Could be. I could see like avatar type stuff, and it'd be like last incarnations of yourself, or maybe your ancestors protecting you. It could be angels. It could be like um, saints from your religion. The fuck? There might be something wrong with that port. Did you do? Because I hear you in both ears now. Did you hear that? In yeah. both ears. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was something. Maybe there's something wrong with this port. <laughs> there's a new fad coming around called ear sex, bringing on a new slogan. Once you go black, you go deaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> All of it. My fault. <laughs> so yeah, this seems uh, really cool. I, I think you basically got this aura of, or the these spirits are releasing this energy around them. Got like an aura of uh, spirit bouncers around you. 
<laughs> they, if they don't pay, they don't get in. <laughs> That's very cool. All right, here, you get some more O spells at level 13, and one option you get, which is one that's always pretty awesome, is Banishment. And that one, you're, it is a concentration, but if you you pick one enemy, and if they fail their charisma saving throw, they get teleported to another point of existence for a minute. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> and they reappear, and they're just... <laughs> yep. Okay. And yep, after a minute, they do appear back in the same spot to disappear from, or you can dismiss it, make them come back early. That's cool. Actually, when I was at Gen Con, in the one-fifth one egg game I did play in, unfortunately, it was just one, we... Banish the big boss. We took care of the minions. Like, okay, he's gonna come back right here, right? Yep. Okay. Everything in a circle. Get rid of the swing. And they readied their attack. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, we had this. Uh, Ryan ran a game with myself and one other person, and uh, I used the the banish technique on one of the monsters. And after we killed everything else, well, we got some time. Let's set a trap. <laughs> so we did. We blew out the ground where it was gonna come back, so it'd fall through. Because we had a minute. What are you going to do with a minute? Well, I'm just going to keep blasting this thing until it was weak and we weaken the structure. Minute. I forget which realm it is, but it's, it's like the realm of men. It's like the realm of madness, where one minute in the real world is like a day or or something in that realm. I think we had a magic item that was like that. You're in my world now. <laughs> Mr. Popo. <laughs> Where'd they go? I'll tell you where they're not. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> Team Four Star, you guys are awesome. So if you listen to the show, probably not. You're awesome. Um, if you know the Team Four Star team, tell them how awesome they are because the show's amazing. Dragon Ball Z abridged. Yes, awesome. And that uh, Helsing abridged for that matter. <laughs> Better than the originals. Um, anyway, so that's really cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, where? Uh... Right on the. Uh... Oh, did you already do? Ban- okay, so so banishment. Yeah, so I can see that being used for a whole lot of things. Um, and what's uh, especially no, I think that if the creature is from another, uh, d- specifically another plane, I think it does force them to that plane. Yeah, it does do that, which is pretty cool. Um, so and nope. <laughs> but man, that's a powerful ability to be able to banish something for an entire minute. Oh yeah, that can make a take a big boss out while you're dealing with all of his his minions or his crew, or maybe you just need to steal that box over there. Just banish him for a minute, grab the box, and run. You don't even need to fight him, just be gone. <laughs> it's like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Where'd my box go? <laughs> okay, I'm going to uh, tell, cast banishment on you, grab this box, cast dimensional door, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. So next we have, uh, you all, uh, also gain access to the fourth level spell, Guardian of Faith. This one's nice. Basically, first of all, this takes one action, the range is 30 feet, it's verbal only, which is awesome, no material components or anything, and the duration is eight hours. You basically get a large spectral guardian that appears and hovers for the duration in an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see within that that 30 feet. I'm picturing my guardian to be Mr. Popo. (laughs) (laughs) The guardian guardian occupies that space and is indistinct except for a gleaming sword and a shield emblazoned with the symbol of your deity. Basically, any creature that is hostile uh, that moves uh, to the space within 10 feet of the Guardian must succeed a dex saving throw, or the target takes 20 radiant damage 20 radiant on the damage. failed save. Jack them up. <laughs> yeah, I know, or half uh, as much on a successful one. Uh, the Guardian vanishes when it has dealt a total of 60 damage, so pretty much three rounds, right? Now, obviously, he had a really good idea with the giant Mr. Popo. That's pretty funny. Popo! <laughs> uh, but I think this would be really cool, once again, if you go for like the ancestor-type 
type thing. Oh, you're in MySpace now, maggot. Nobody uses MySpace anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's MySpace? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you get this giant spectral, and I, I, I don't see no problem flavoring the, the way it looks. It says it's indistinct, but I think you could really give it any image you wanted. Um, I do like the idea of this kind of specter thing that's kind of like just, you know, like a, a jagged random image that doesn't really have a form, but I would give it some sort of form, whether it would be the form of my deity or maybe a, a powerful hero or... So I could just think of a giant knight using a huge bastard sword and just sitting there and it's pointing down on the ground and he's just sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. None shall like, pass! <laughs> and if someone comes up, he's like, Nope! <laughs> And right, actually, you make a good point because this, to me, we we t- we talk about mostly being in combat, but if you are in a room in a dungeon that's dangerous, you know, you're afraid of getting encounters, but you want to take a rest, you can set this guardian outside the door and take your long rest with no fear, hopefully, of monsters invading you. None shall pass. <laughs> Thou shall not pass. Go. You know? Now, what was it? It was a concentration spell. What no, it doesn't require – it just requires components as far as I know. Components. So you can make multiples of them. Oh, yeah. So you can set like two or three of them outside the door. Yeah. So it, <laughs> once again, that comes back to this really could be a guardian to protect you while, A, you're taking a short or long rest. Or maybe – maybe, hear me out – that um, you're in a small town that's constantly being attacked. So while you're investigating it, you're leaving this guy like outside the gate to protect him. Yep, some of this, there's a guardian that appears out of nowhere. Some big broy guy appears. <laughs> he starts posing. This technique has been passed down the generations by the Armstrong family. <laughs> <laughs> Ten cool points for the Full Metal Alchemist reference. Um, Alright, the, the next uh, feature that you get at level 15, you gain Unyielding Spirit. You gain advantage on saving throws to avoid becoming paralyzed and stunned. I can't. I don't know how much this pops up at higher levels. I guess it depends on what your GM runs and where. But that said, these will screw you over big time if you get hit by these statuses. Yeah, uh, paralyzed and stun. If I'm not mistaken, paralyzed can cause you to get automatically crit, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. Um, well, same thing with crit. If you're paralyzed, yeah, you're basically incapacitated. Ugh. So if a melee spe- a melee attack hits you, it's a crit. Yeah, so that that's pretty hard. I can imagine, like, uh, in one of the books by uh, uh, Rick Royden, who does the uh, Percy Jackson series, one of them takes place in, like, a uh, uh, Egyptian uh, theme. And one of the guy, one of the main characters in there can do, like, this, uh, like, shadow of energy, like, spirit form that goes around him, like the shroud that surrounds him. It makes him turn into, like, to a giant version of... Uh, uh, Horus or something like that. I kind of envisioned something like that, which is pretty cool. At 17th level, you gain access to the Circle of Power. Now, Circle of Power... Uh, I So, Circle of Power is really cool for a couple different reasons, and I really like it, so we'll talk about that in a second. Um, it's basically... Uh, it's a one action. It's got a range of, you know, 30 foot. Once again, it's a verbal spell only. This one is concentration, up to 10 minutes. Divine energy radiates around you, distorting and diffusing magical energy within 30 feet of you. Until the spell ends, the sphere moves with you. Centered on you, for the duration, each friendly creature in the area, including yourself, uh, has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. And, as an added bonus, if you succeed on a save and take half damage, you take no damage, suckers. 
That is awesome. 17th level, you could totally break a fight with that. Well, I think that's the idea, right? <laughs> You're damn near demigods. Um, I really think this ability is awesome, and because you're you're diffusing magical energy and you're radiating this energy out from you, you can reflavor that so many different ways. Um, if you you know want to see the world burn, you can this energy can be radiated as like a like a some sort of powerful magical flame or a magical golden brilliant orb light thing kind of around you, and you're a walking you know magic absorber. This is a great support ability for your for your allies. Come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, Bruh. hide behind me. No, no, no. Hide in front of me. <laughs> hide in front of me. <laughs> um, so I really think this is cool. How would you guys flavor this this magical energy around you? It's absorbing magic. So I can right. I can just see like those anime things where somebody shoots a flame like a fireball and it as it hits it just disintegrates. I, I think that you, you got the got the player right, but it's not like this big old dome of magical aura but rather kind of like how their skin glows mm-hmm. into a different color and you can just see you can actually see the energy slowly coming down into them mm-hmm. like like when uh when goku's powering up whatever and you can see the energy coming from just out of nowhere and it's getting sucked into them mm-hmm. then they can have a uh, bands of energy that stretch out to other players and shows who's being affected by it oh that's cool like uh, like a link like like a magical link yes that's cool. Like a chain. I like that. Um, so that is Circle of the Power. That's pretty. And the last one we have, Geass. <laughs> Alright, by short version, Geass is almost a fairly useful spell out of combat. Because it takes about 8 minutes to cast. But, you basically cast it on a creature within the 60 feet and it lasts for about 30 days. But you basically issue them a command of some point that they, they must follow. And if at any point they did not do anything that is counter to your command, they, once per day, take 5d6 psychic damage. Yeah. Yeah. If that's not control, I don't know what is. Now, you can't tell them to do something that would that would spell a certain death for them, but, yeah. But basically, you can force them to to do what you want. It's, a, it's almost a form of mind control, but it's not really. More like blackmail, really. <laughs> do this or take severe damage to your brain that's very cool you see code Gias? got yes. people look into his eyes and he can do something very similar right yes your highness <laughs> he, can, he can basically bend people's will by looking at them this is really cool and anytime you get i mean this just kind of goes back to the whole archetype of trying to control people mm-hmm. whether it's through a single word or through a very complex set of words and it doesn't have any limit as far as how long they're affected how far away they're affected well it's i mean when you cast it they gotta be 60 feet away right but after that that, they can move away and they still have to follow those effects that's pretty cool now it can be as lame as you're gonna make me a sandwich for the next 30 days can you imagine that (laughs) having like a big giant no seriously though you've got this big giant uh, boss man but instead of just killing him outright you say all right, uh, Twin Blade. We've conquered your lair. We've destroyed your minions, and I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm gonna need you to do is walk to the nearest town, which, by the way, is like 30 miles. Make me a sandwich, and then walk back. Can you do that for me? His feet would be bleeding and aching. Yeah, and he suffering. might not even return. Not my problem. 
Because you got this guy going into a town that's not something you see every day. <laughs> right. You guys going to be like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing here? Making a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, but and think about it. You've seen the, the end of the horrible sh- uh, movie uh, Wolverine. What was the one with the crappy Deadpool? Wolverine Origins. Origins, yes. In Origins, at the end, yeah. when that girl forces uh, the, the striker. striker to just walk. And they finally find him how messed up he is. And... If you just give him a general command to walk to the to the nearest town and get me a sandwich, what's to stop him from walking through a forest with giant monsters and finding his corpse <laughs> later? You know, walking through thorn bushes, walking through a quicksand puddle. You know, it's that is so cool and so that could be so powerful. Man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, if you've seen Jackson Jones, you've seen how powerful. Yep. Being told what to do can do. If you haven't seen Jessica Jones, you need to. It's awesome. Or you can just make them kill themselves in the most horrific way. You can't make them kill themselves. You can't do that? Nope. No. But by giving them a vague enough thing, hey, you need you to walk here. Slay all my enemies. Um. So yeah, that's really cool. I think, man, that is a game changer. You get, at level 20, you get access to Exalted Champion. Your presence on the battlefield is an inspiration to those dedicated to your cause. You can use your action to gain the following benefits for one hour. You have resistance to piercing, slashing, bludgeoning damage and not from non-magical weapons. Hey, congratulations! You get everything that a barbarian gets at level one. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, your allies have advantage on death saving throws while within 30 feet of you. That's mm. awesome. Because mm-hmm. that's another chance to hopefully pop right up and not die. Um, and you have advantage on wisdom saving throws Uh as do your allies within 30 feet of you. Nice. So less likely to be mind-controlled, right? Yeah, I mean, most most spells require wisdom saving throws, don't they? No, dex. Dex? Dex is the most common. Wisdom is quite a bit too, though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. One doesn't get used to novice con. The effects end if you are incapacitated or die. Well, duh. If you're dead, there's not a whole lot you can do. <laughs> Once you use this feature, you can't regain it until you finish a long rest. That's, that's a... I, I like that. I think that this... This caps off your your character as that really support type character because now you're you're really buffing everyone around you to help keep them alive. Especially if you're on a battlefield where there's people dying all around you, uh-huh. this might help a lot of them. Just like you just walk over to them, man, you got stabbed in the gut. Don't worry, I got you. Give them a few words of inspiration. It's just a flesh wound. You'd be all right, and just carry on. <laughs> and hopefully they'll be okay. Rub some dirt in it. What's that? Rub some dirt in it. Rub some dirt in it. It'll be fine. So, Take a salt pill. <laughs> what are your guys' overall thoughts of this uh, class? It's badass. <laughs> it's it's very supporty. <laughs> supporty. I love the control. Very it's it's yeah. a it's a normally you think control you think like wizard, but mm. this is such a a, a manipulation in in, in control uh, class that it it could be a lot of fun. You really could dominate everyone. You can do work, <laughs> man. I. I'm such a bastard. I'd be using that level that Gias at level 17 just to have people like shine my shoes and polish my armor and <laughs> you know take a whetstone to my blade. <laughs> just like you, squire. I am not a squire. I am a noble. Today you're my squire. Polish my boots. I stepped in some mud. <laughs> so that is the Paladin Oath of the Crown. Pecking order. Pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is our main topic. As with every episode, we draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they'll win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lorsmith. Lorsmith. 
Lost, Math of a Small, and a team of creative artists who remember exploring their realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create the standalone adventure because of madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you do not want to miss. Nigel Willikers, what a great sale. <laughs> <laughs> and this week's winner for the Claws of Madness is Matt Gallien. Uh, congratulations, Matt Gallion. You are this week's winner of the Claws of Madness. Madness if you Madness. if you like the adventure or uh, you enjoy if you uh, if Madness. when you if you enjoy the adventure, Madness. please let Laura Smith know by leaving Madness. a hopefully five star review. God, you guys suck. Shut Madness. up. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna go mad. <laughs> um. All right. So now moving on to everyone's favorite segment, and I say everyone's yes. because. Every time I get a message or an email, guess what everyone wants to talk about? On Earth tips and tricks! We want new characters! We want new monsters! <gasps> Give us a really cool magic weapon! We have a cool magic weapon today. I, I read, did, did I read you that. Read it? it looks awesome. Yeah, he's freaking <laughs> out because he doesn't usually read this shit ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> but now that I'm uh, part so, of the show, i got to be dedicated. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Take all the help I can get. So. Our first Unearth Tips and Trick is our character concept. This comes from uh, Facebook uh, user Andrew Tyler. We, it's titled Purified by Fire. His character is a red dragonborn or maybe even a, a tiefling. Something that really fits the, the, the flame red kind of thing. Or maybe a human with like red armor or something. Something that fits the whole fire concept. <laughs> yeah, anything that really gets it. Maybe you got a flaming cloak or something. Or... Oh, great. Now I'm wishing that the... Uh... In the replay that the Phoenix Sorcerer was legal. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, this character is a religious zealot who believes the world is full of rotten, nasty, disgusting, evildoers. And really, he truly believes the only way to save the world is to purify it by fire. Fire! Because out of every fire come, raises the Phoenix from the ash. <laughs> right? Isn't that how it works? Yeah. That's the theory anyway, right? Yeah. Um, he believes that, you know, he, he's this guy that's really into it, that that thief there that just store, uh, stole a, uh, uh, an apple. Burn him! Thievery. Burn him at the stake. It doesn't matter. you got to stop crime in its infancy before it escalates to stealing two fruit. Two <laughs> fruit. <laughs> no, that's the point, though, is he's way over the top with it. Everything that's wrong needs to be punished. Burn it! And... I think this makes for a really good opportunity for, like, a character who's evil. Like, a lawful evil character. Burn it! Because what he... Would you... I don't think... I would say it's pretty evil to slice off... Behead somebody for stealing a carrot. Burn them! But he would consider it uh, something just over the top. <gasps> you disrespect your elder boy! Burn them! That'll be a thousand lashings. Burn them! Burn them! <laughs> Um, so I think this is a really interesting concept, and I think it would it could cause a lot of trouble for the group, um, because he could bust down the when he walks into like a gambling ring, just burn the place down. Illegal, <laughs> not supposed to do it, you know, something like that. What do you guys think? As long as somebody is not a complete other dick or a stupid about how they would play this, I think this could be pretty fun. Yeah, I would agree. Um, 
And I think it would be it really be important to stick to him trying to justify every bad thing. But I think it would be fun having the party have to kind of deal with that. Oh, great! Why do I have this? Why do I have four star on the brain today? But I think it'll. I think it would be challenging for a group though as well. I mm-hmm. mean, don't get me wrong. I think this is a if if done too too if it's overly done. It can be challenging for the group because let's be honest, most of our groups aren't the most holy of holy. What are some of the challenges you think would come with this? Law, because <laughs> I see uh, you're suggesting maybe lawful evil would make the just a thought would make the character has a thought, and I don't think it'd be proper because I'm pretty sure murder's against the law. <laughs> well, he's following his own laws. Yeah. Lawful doesn't necessarily mean you're following the country's the laws. country's laws. It means you're following a set order of beliefs that you think are right or wrong. Uh-huh. Beliefs, ideals, yeah. institutions. Right, and it might be that stealing a is wrong. It is is settled by death. Right, it um, adultery settled by death. Everything settled by death. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I say death, but it doesn't need it. I mean, because his thing is purified by fire. Maybe instead, when a kid steals, he just burns their hands so they can't steal no more. Maybe yeah, if I'm the witch, witchcraft is illegal, burn them. That one makes sense, though. We found a witch. Pretty sure they lawful people burn, do that. Right? Uh, I don't know. It's a very interesting concept that I thought would be kind of fun. Um, I do think if you decided to play this, um, you would have to be careful. Um, I, I can see the burning people getting down to it. You know, like I said, the the hit kid steals an apple, burn his hands. Uh, if uh, a guy stabs a woman, light the light a dagger on fire and stab him with it. <laughs> and especially if one of the other characters ends up being a lawful good character, mm-hmm. there's potential for some really good RP in there. Right, right, because you're gonna have one that wants to burn him at the stake, and the other person that wants to send him to prison. Yeah. But at prison, he's not gonna become reformed. He's still gonna do evil deeds. And what if he what if he spreads his evil seed around the world? As in, like bangs a bunch of chicks and makes a button. what? Yeah, but if you burn him, he can't spread that seed no more. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> So that is our uh, thank you, Andrew Tyler, for your character concept. I think it's very interesting. I think it'll get a some group killed. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with that torch? No, 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 my penis! <laughs> or you, I think actually you could reflavor this where he's got a special <laughs> weapon, like say a hammer, that's got a special emblem on it, and he just burns the emblem into their head or something when he hits them with it. Like combine it with like heat metal, and he hits them, and it leaves like a like a uh, a brand, uh, a brand, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you have been branded by the purify, you have been purified by fire. No like, more evil doers. Like the Fear de Lee. Yeah. So I think that could be fun. That is it for our character concept. Our monster variant is the Skeletal Giant. It's like a giant, but dead. Yes. <laughs> uh, the origin for this is the Hill Giant, um, and the features that we've added, um, obviously you have to give it the vulnerabilities of bludgeoning and the poison exhaustion uh, immunities, um, and it's now also classified as undead. You want to make sure you do that. Um, but we gave it a couple cool features here. Um, we gave it the charge. Um, if the skeleton moves at least 10 feet straight and forward at the target, and when it hits it uh, with an attack uh, of the, on the same turn, the target takes an extra 2d8 uh, piercing damage. If the target is a creature, it must succeed a DC strength uh, DC 14 strength saving throw or be pushed back 10 feet and knock prone. Uh, I'm really big on these big creatures having leverage over top of smaller creatures. Right. And this is a really good way to kind of um, mechanically work that. You know, you got this, you know, if you don't know, uh, 
hill giants are huge creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a huge classification. So I, I see it just like punting people, <laughs> reflavoring <laughs> the charges like a punt, just trying to, trying to kick them. Okay. <laughs> and Lucy's not there to pull away the football. <laughs> Uh, so that w- so that to me is pretty cool. Um, and we gave it another ability called Ribcage. <laughs> this this is such a bad ability for the players. Why is that? Well, Ribcage, the skeletal giant takes the grapple action on a target, and on a success, if the target is medium or smaller, the target is placed within the giant's rib cage and is restrained. Uh, only one target can be under this effect at one time. This grapple does not hinder the skeletal giant's movement. Now, I think this is bad for the other players because they can't just attack the stab willy now. nilly because <laughs> they just go oh, bam sorry bro yeah now i didn't i didn't put uh any uh features in here that say that they have to do that but if i was the dm of this i totally would say if you attack it um you have to attack with disadvantage or hit somebody or risk hitting your uh teammate what do you guys think that's not a bad idea so that or aim for different body parts. Because it's a it's a skeleton. Like well, it's a skeleton. Aim for the foot. Aim for the foot. Yeah. I would say uh, that they can try to if they say I'm going to aim for different parts because you want to you want to avoid the uh, the called shots mechanic. Um, but I would impose like some sort of like uh, probably just disadvantage when they attack. Yep. And if the uh, and if they hit allies take half damage or something. Well, I wouldn't even make them take damage. I would say that uh, if they they miss. They, they attack with disadvantage because they're trying to avoid hitting the players. I would say on like a one, you, I would have them hit the players. Now, you assume that the, the guy attacking cares whether he misses I'm not guy in there. I guess I, I wouldn't care. I mean, if they say, if they say I don't care, I'm just going to try to do what I can, then hey, attack normally, <laughs> like, and that's fine. <laughs> but I think that this is really cool. Like, I didn't include this in this mechanic because I don't think it's a part of it, but the whole point is that he basically just grabs somebody and they're flailing and he just stuffs them inside their rib cage, rib cage to, it makes a cage and they get stuck now, in there. What I've noticed is, does this uh, player stay there? Is there a way yes. for him to get out? Um, so what happens is when you're grappled, um, you have to roll an action to break the grapple. So if I, if I grab you, uh, on your turn, you can use your action and you can either roll an athletics or a, um, acrobatics and try to get free against a contested roll against the giant, basically. So, uh, I don't have the stat block right in front of me. So the, the giant would then make a, uh, athletics check to a strength check to try to hope maintain you. So you can get out. It's not like you're stuck in there. So either you know a, a barbarian uses a strength check and busts a rib and breaks out, or a, a more limber gnome kind of slides out with a, an acrobatics. <laughs> Could you imagine using thunder wave in the rib cage? I would allow. Well, they're restrained technically. Also, I'd be able to do that though. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, what do you guys think about this monster? I think it sounds very fun. He's awesome. He is awesome. I really like <laughs> it's it. It's beautiful. I swear um, to God, next game I run, I'm going to put him in. It. <laughs> Charge and punt somebody away. <laughs> She even put the flavor in there that right before he does it, he does this. He just like lines him up, <laughs> lines him up with his hands. All oh, right, there it is. <laughs> Four. And then another hill giant goes. Yep, he's putting his <laughs> lining him up. No, no, for or when he kicks him, he goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> the goal. <laughs> that is our monster variant, the skeletal giant. No, no, no. A second hill giant does this. <laughs> oh yeah, putting up and trying to catch him. Oh, no. I'll just need more paper football for the field goal. Oh, nice, nice. (laughs) Come on, come on. Put it there, right there. (laughs) (laughs) Our encounter of the podcast is called Dual Deeds. 
Now, I actually just ran this for my group on Saturday. Yep. And it went about as well as I thought it would. So horrible. About, no, it went great. I mean, okay. for me, it was great. It was. It was. It was, it was uh, one of my players, uh, Brett. If you're listening, because I know you are. I know that your character and you were shaken by the experience. So feel free to write in and tell everyone or send in an audio clip that we can play. Um, but anyways, in uh, Dual Deeds, basically uh, a piece of land has been gifted or sold to either the players or to another uh, NPC in the world. Upon arrival, they find that somebody else has claim, lame claim to the same building or land. And they both have what looks like legit copies of the deed. But I own this land. I have the paperwork. But I have paperwork too. What? So because the land is already occupied by somebody, the heroes, whether it's them with the deed or not, have to identify whether which if which deed is the rightful deed. Who really owns the property? Or do you just let them stab each other and figure it out themselves? <laughs> Um, whether well, uh, that solves it pretty quick. So, so what do you think about that? Who, uh, what do you think about something like that? Because that's less of a combat encounter and more of a, more of a, uh, kind of a mystery encounter, right? Or a, a investigation, mm-hmm. right? You got to use all the tools to find out where it came from, who wrote it, why they wrote it, why is there two? Now I got to be careful not to give away too much, but I'll tell you a little bit about the encounter that I ran. What I did is when my heroes completed the adventure, Provided by Goblinstone, the Banquet of the Damned, um, they were awarded a keep. Right? They were awarded a keep. Problem was, the keep has already been occupied by goblins. So they're like, sure, we're going to go take our keep back because there's goblins living in it. So they go through the forest, trudge, 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 you know, and they uh, step on a couple tracks. Giant tree swooshes down, almost clobbers them. Um, they, they hear some, what, so one of my players, uh, Brett actually has, uh, uh speaks goblin. So he kind of hears the goblins kind of chit chatting and he changes into a bear and starts barreling after them, chasing them, you know, boom, 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 um, through the forest. <laughs> barreling. Yeah. They're <laughs> laughing and they're giggling. And, uh, he realized, they realize they're like half the size of normal goblins. When he gets out, uh, he runs into this open field. He can see the keep and there's, you know, goblin walking around with water barrel on her head and some are cooking and they're just chilling. Well, he realizes that they're not, they're just, they're not necessarily bad goblins. It's a family. So what happens is he's uh, charging after them. Um, they kind of trip and fall and he's bearing down on them, <laughs> bearing, uh, bearing down on them. And uh, well, because the other player left, stood back, he was basically drawing his bow and providing cover and basically shooting anything that seemed dangerous. So one of the kids got an arrow in the eye. Um <laughs> Poor kid. But anyways, so they end up getting inside and they're trying to, you know, work things out and they find out that the deed that they were given, the main goblin that's inside here has a copy of the deed. It was gifted to him and comes to find out that the goblin actually was one of the servants to the previous owner of that keep, which is the mother of the guy who gave them the deed. Whoops. So now there's two copies of the deed and they're kind of torn if are they both real? Is one real? Is somebody screwing with them? So they're trying to really investigate and figure that out. And I can't really go into more than that because he listens to the show. But <laughs> but um, so props to you and your team. <laughs> um, so it's very cool. What do you guys think about that? That hurts my head so much. <laughs> Why? Wasn't that complex? Because no, it's just trying to figure out what's what. And you, yeah. Well, they could have just killed all the goblins, but they, they could have. 
But there's nothing. They're bad. They're not bad. But then you, if people tend to forget that humanoid creatures are still sentient and they have their own lives. Yeah, they do. You're exactly right. Don't forget, people. Just because they're Kenku does not mean that they can become KFC if you kill them. They're sentient. <laughs> <laughs> they still have thoughts and feelings. And it's it was really up. funny. What's really funny though is I <laughs> use the the goblin napper. Uh-huh. Uh, all of them can't really fight, so they all have these little flutes that are dart guns. <laughs> and one of the players went went down when he was <laughs> he just got shot, and the one thing ran away from him. But um, so it, it's it's really fun. I think this is a great opportunity for investigation. Mm-hmm. It could definitely make an interesting encounter, especially if the players just decide to roleplay it. Yeah, especially, well, in this case, the players are the ones that hold the deed, mm-hmm. uh, one of the deeds, but this could just as be easily be two different NPCs, and one of them comes to the hero's house trying to say, hey, he's on my land, he's got a fake deed or something like that. Or maybe one of the deed, one of the players made took one of those, uh, what is the background that lets you for, for, uh, forge uh, documents? What? You, you guys have to do the land? But I have one too! Dark Forge. Now, now, you got, now, now you got three of them, and one is a forge. The player's like, I have one too. They're like Spartacus. I have a deed! I have a deed! You remember that? I have I'm a deed. Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Anyway, so yeah, I think that's really cool. So that is our encounter of the podcast, Dual Deeds. This week's magical weapon comes from Game Master Stash. In order to be system agnostic, there aren't any stats. So we've given it some. The Binding Javelin. At a glance, this javelin looks to be crudely made from a fallen branch. In truth, powerful magic has taken plant life and molded it into a living weapon. When the javelin strikes its target, the shaft, which is made from tightly twisted vines, creating a near seamless exterior, separate into individual vines and begin to bind the target. Escaping would be a great feat of strength, and cutting through could take precious moments during battle. Additionally, the javelin can be placed onto a surface and used as a trap to ensnare any who might pass by. Variants can be easily added with poisonous plant life. <laughs> this was a really awesome magic item when I stumbled across it on their website. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, first of all, uh, the the binding the target is the restraint condition. Yep. Um, and then uh, the DC to break it is 15. You can make that as high or as low as you want. I think 15 is uh, adequate. Um, especially since it's a reusable weapon, you know. <laughs> um, and then uh, the HP, uh, the staff actually has an HP of 15 that regenerates at dawn. So if they do try to damage it and it stops functioning, generally magic items don't break. So they can't like cut it in half, but they can damage all the vines that would cause like the grappling. But I really, I think this is just so cool. I can imagine just throwing this at somebody like they do with the the, the bolos and, and and snagging their feet and watching them land on their face. What? And you know it, the fact that it's a javelin is really cool too because you see a lot of magical swords, a lot of magical hammers. I haven't seen a whole lot of magical javelins. So I think this is really cool, and I think this would be great for any any class could really get a lot out of this, get a lot out of this. But I think the druid, it would really fit like the druid or the the ranger. Um, type, uh, can rangers use javelins? I don't see why not. Simple weapon, right? They can use simple weapons. But I definitely think that this is really cool. What do you like about it? The fact that it can restrain. Yeah? Yeah, that, that's really neat. Just by throwing it, it can restrain somebody, and no one's gonna expect that to happen. I know, right? Like, I can oh, just... it's a javelin, you step to the side, it's like, you miss! <laughs> Oh shit! What just happened? <laughs> yeah, I can meet. I can see this javelin being tossed at him, and then it like spreading like a freaking <laughs> <No>. octopus right <laughs> in mid-flight, and they're just <laughs> grabbing onto him. 
Another thing I can think of is uh, a ballista. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. And the dragon that's flying. Because I'm pretty sure you got a flying dragon. That's what I was thinking of. you got a dragon flying around, and th- there are... You're going to make one hell of a crash landing. Yeah, there, <laughs> there are siege weapons that shoot the uh, the bolos or whatever. Mm-hmm. By, I always assume that, that because of their weight, they wouldn't go as far. Mm-hmm. But you put this little itty-bitty javelin into one of these ballistas and just shoot it. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely. That would be a really great de- like siege defense weapon on a city that's constantly assaulted by like monsters. Wow, especially dragons. You know, they're flying, start crashing. It snags its wings. Wee! I can I can just see it where you've got like a uh, your 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 little castle or your keep or your town is right on the edge of like a cliff, and then there's a massive drop and there's water, and you got your siege weapons on the the corners, and dragons are like flying to attack. You hit them with one of these things, and it. Uh, it wraps around, and as it's flying towards you, it drops and smashes right into the side of the cliff you're on. <laughs> Suckers! Or, or falls and covered in dragon lands blood. into the village and just destroys like half of it. The mayor comes up and says, you did more damage than it did in a year. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Very much a Hancock moment right there. Um, all right, that is our magic item of the podcast, the Binding Javelin Compliments of Game Master Stash. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is... There is no such thing as a too powerful of a character. DMs, don't nerf your characters. There's been so much testing and stuff on the game. Buff them, hey, that's great. Don't nerf them. Uh, Up your game instead of nerfing the classes, spells, features, or any other abilities that the characters get. Um, I see this all too often where one DM decides on his own that this one ability is too powerful and decides to nerf it. Now, to be fair, the game's not perfect. Right. But! I would agree. But quite often, though, the abilities are built the way they are for good reasons. Yes. Whether you yeah. agree agree with them or not, um, you should be doing your best to overcome them as a DM, not weaken them. So if you've got a, a, a player who's got a ridiculously high AC, right? That's a really common one. I think we had a DM tip, go for the nads, right? Mm-hmm. Non-armor defenses. <laughs> well, what are other ways to overcome that? Okay, he's got high AC, so I don't attack his AC. Find ways to restrict them in certain situations, but let them character shine. Yeah. Don't nerf their abilities so they indefinitely can't use them to their full effectiveness. That's a resource they've spent to optimize their character in some way. I mean, it might be easier to nerf them, but when you give them that that challenge and they don't expect it, it's, yeah, it's so it much makes more, more fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've got the, the, the bard or the rogue who lies a lot and that's his secret is to get to bluff his way, and you don't want him to bluff when he's in the uh, in the noble's chamber, force a zone of truth to get around that. Or you got a, a powerful a wand, ability. You got a wand of fireballs, shooting fireballs. And this person's now OP because of this uh, specific item. Make them fight creatures that have fire resistance. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Fight fire resistance or force <laughs> them to constantly use the charges. But that's that's really on you not to give too powerful items too. That's different than the abilities and features. Yeah, I remember one time where uh, I once actually one shot a mini boss in the fourth egg game by knocking him off a platform into like the uh, bottomless abyss. The DM actually got up, left the room, we actually heard him mumbling through multiple walls. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, needs to say though, after that, that we it sus- got a rather suspicious amount of flying creatures after that fight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, there's easy ways to do that. You know, give monsters new features like we do with our variants, right? If somebody's fighting a a kobold, right, and then all of a sudden that kobold slings some sticky-ass shit to him 
from our Cobalt Slinger variant, and he's stuck to the ground. Well, if that character's got high mobility, he ain't got high mobility no more. <laughs> you know? I mean, increase the monster stats that you already have. I think we talked about in a previous episode uh, just their HP. And sometimes you can do something on the fly. Yep. Like, oh, I don't know. Let's say you, with the example I just, I just gave, not knock a guy off the side of a cliff, only for him to go, ha! Ring a feather fall, suckers! Feather fall? Ring a feather fall. Ring a feather fall. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say something like a batter ring comes flying up with a hook, grapple, like a grapple hook on it, and climbs back up. Oh, bro, dog. Cut the ring. Cut the rope. Roadhog. Yeah, that's what I like about the. Uh... What was that monster variant? You're pulling your mic closer to your. What was, Sorry. What was that? The the monster variant you did the. Uh, the bear, the zombie bear. Yeah. Yeah, like his ability where he reanimates after one minute. Yeah. That would throw him off. Yeah. What I was thinking of was I was watching a replay from Overwatch the other day where a roadhog got no there was a diva who like like flew up straight into the air and used her self destruct ultimate. But this is on the map where the control point's in the middle, but has that huge hole in the middle. And the Roadhog ran towards the hole, j- jumped over it into it, but then hooks the Diva as an exploding pull it down the hole. As the- what a way to save the team. Right? That's awesome. Um, some other really easy things to do. Mixing different groups of monsters can help you overcome certain challenges or more powerful creatures. Giving them, uh, you know, attacking from distances so they can't, you know, get close. You know, using higher CR monsters. Um, definitely helps. Yeah, maybe they're not too powerful. Maybe you're not throwing something big enough at them. Yeah, the game has has been tested extensively uh, with the features that they have in the game um, by the players. You know, this is one of the very first one. This is one of the best iterations of D and D because they spend so much time getting feedback from players for better or worse. For better or worse. Um, so don't don't cheat your players. Don't restrict their spells or features or abilities. Just don't. Don't be a dick. That speaking is our... Of, speaking of which... <laughs> don't, our today's player tip. Don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. <laughs> uh, appreciate different play styles. Everyone has their own play styles and their own way of playing. And you you really need to take a step back and, and not only appreciate it, but let them play the way they want to play. You know, you may love, you know, stealth and, and guile and another player may, you know, love role-playing and hate combat, or another character may just love combat and have an obsession with it. But you have to be patient and let them really explore their own their own unique play style. I may be that third guy. Uh. Yeah, you're you're a combat person for sure, but you do really good on role-play, though. Yep. But you probably, you, I don't think you hate role-play, though. But I, I don't hate it. It's like, okay, I'm doing this part to get to the combat part. Yeah. I feel like you're probably, you probably really loved 4th edition, didn't you? Oh, yeah. That was a, that was hard focus on, on combat. I loved 4th edition. That's what I liked, liked about, uh, when I first started playing, I was actually eased into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, my first two or three characters I've made were the quiet type, mm-hmm. the guys that don't talk a whole lot, because I wasn't big in RP, I was embarrassed to do it. Right. But and that, that you're not alone. That's how it is for a lot yeah. of people. And it slowly got more and more involved. Yeah. And that's because the players in the DM, they weren't telling me, hey, just come on, roleplay more, roleplay more. They they waited for me to open up on your own to get that. Get yeah. to that point. And, yeah. you know, not every adventure will support all play styles. And that's okay. If your play style isn't up front, you, you, have, to, you have to be patient. Now, if you're with a DM who prefers a certain play style, that's not 
aligned with yours, let them know that, hey, now... It might not just be you either, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let them know, hey, you know what, I really like puzzles. Can you can you put more puzzles in? I really like, um, you know, finding lore in history. Can you put more of that in there? Asking your DM for that stuff will really help. But what's important is, you know, some, some adventures will favor diplomacy. You might not run into combat at night, but you shouldn't be upset or, or mad about it. Try to enjoy it. I mean, what does make me think of, and I may have used as an example before on the show, but when Hideo Kojima, who's the guy who made the Metal Gear Solid series, mm -hmm. he was uh, previewing, showing off demos to Metal Gear Solid 3 around the world, mm -hmm. and one thing that jumped out to him very quickly was how very differently players from different countries played the mm -hmm. game. Don't try to force your game style on everyone else, especially if they've got their own. Um... But it is important to, uh, you know, try to encourage their play style without trying to, you know, force them into yours, I suppose. Just because you prefer to, you know, resolve an issue a certain way doesn't mean you should. Let the other characters kind of do their own thing, too. There are those that, like, quite interrogation. Sometimes there are those that still do, pick the lock, and there are some who are obsessed with dynamite. <laughs> Let's blow some shit up. Like, uh, I don't know how you handle that pretty well, too. Like um, who me? Yeah, the the one uh, mod that you were showing me that they had uh, the two guy, the two guys and uh, and Marie, because I know that she loves role play, and the other two may have liked combat more. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that you have a really good balance between the two in your. It Take, uh, takes a lot of work to do that. I sure it does, but you do a good job at it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so that's our show. Yep, that's our show. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you. Our heroes. We discussed the rogue archetype, the mastermind, and the swashbuckler. Ooh, swashbuckler! That sounds like it's gonna be fun. It is fun. It is really. It's <laughs> one of my favorite classes. Pirate. Yeah. your pirate. I'm gonna do my pirate voice that entire site. <laughs> you should. <laughs> if you have any feedback, unearthed tips and tricks, and topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us at critacademy at gmail.com, or you can fi find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Yeah. If you have any hate mail, send it to me. <laughs> of course, we do have our new sponsor. or our new. We have a new fellowship member as of recently, Jeff Stevens. It has been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fills the nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music floats out the tavern door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they have stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into adventure that takes the party in into and under the Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Is it like Dungeon Dice Masters from Yu-Gi-Oh? Maybe. <laughs> Gotta catch them all? Wait, that's Pokemon. <laughs> this week's Dragon's Breath Tavern winner is Miguel Angel Falcon. I'm a fireball. Ah, <laughs> uh, congratulations to Miguel Angel Falcon. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to our show at 
CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. That's free. You will also find links to our fellowship members there as well. Um, <laughs> make sure to join us on Patreon. If you think that we've done... If you if you enjoy the show and you enjoy the work, there's a lot of work that goes into the show, uh, a lot of development, a lot of time. Uh, my wife actually will tell you just how much because that's how much time she's not spending with me. Um, and if you want to support us, become a patron. For as little as $3 a month, you can watch our show live. Wave at the camera, guys. Hi. Uh, you can watch our show live. You can um, get access to show notes uh, ahead of time. So you can send in your questions about the topics or um, kind of get some insight in what we're going to do. And It yeah. makes us realize we don't suck. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we get together with our uh, patron, uh, our patron donors, and we have once a month we have just an open discussion share. I was playing Path of Exile uh, yesterday. Invited my uh, invited my patron donors to join. Right now, Gabe, you're the only one, so we love you. So thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm about to download that for the Xbox tonight. Why? Play it on the PC. Because Jessica wants me to download it on the Xbox. Why? You can't play with her there. So she can play it. Yeah, but you don't need to. You're gonna play with me. On the PC, <laughs> they reformat. If you have not, if you've not played it, it's awesome. They reformatted the whole system, the whole like second part of it, so there's no more of the rewinding starting at the beginning shit, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, become a patron. You know, you can help support our show and throw a few bucks our way to show us that you know there are people out there that care and love us. Um, I know you're out there because you send me <laughs> emails and Facebook messages, and I spend too much time answering those. And remember, so. it's only three dollars a month. A month. Yeah, our shows are what forty-five minutes long. They're an hour and a half generally. That's like three Mountain Dews. Yeah, I know. So for the pri- <laughs> so the price so the price of a soda from a from a from a gas station a gas station <laughs> you could you could you could you can watch us live show. and watch us screw off the whole time. Oh, uh, I like to for, the, out, for the for the price of half a Starbucks coffee. Yeah, half a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> you know, and what else is interesting is during the live feed, you can actually chat to us, so you can actually have a little bit of interaction. Um, with us while the show's going on, and more importantly than that, if you if you get up to the higher tiers, I'll actually run a game for you. Ba, 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 and I'm sure there's several of my listeners that already listen who would hopefully vouch for me. <laughs> yeah, be there's so many people that would. Yeah, it's like why pay to play? Well, because you got ten plus years of experience. It's so much better to have a person who knows what they're doing than to have someone reading. Ain't that the truth? Reading from a book. But anyways, not that I'm trying to pay to play. But anyway, um, just check us out. Support us. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your other co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. And keep your arrows knocked.